That was Claire Hoffman, the book, uh, Greetings from Utopia Park, Surviving a Transcendent uh, Childhood. I, I thought she was really honest and struggling to come to terms with her experience and obviously affected by some of the praise and criticism she's received from the book. It was very personal for her. Uh, no doubt. Um, I don't know how uh, much she was affected by it. I'm sure as a seasoned journalist, she's had experiences like that in the past, but um, it's not surprising that she would get um, criticism from people who are close to the organization she writes about. Mm-hmm. Um, in on both ends of the spectrum. So right. I think she wrote a fair and honest book. I, I do too. And, and, I, and I think that... not going to satisfy everybody. Right. And it's especially hard because there are people that you care about and have friendships with or relationships with, and those relationships may be affected unfairly because people... Yeah. We should all respect each other's opinion, good or bad, whatever it is, but that's not always the case. And uh, yeah, it, it's it's bold, and there was a lot of you know, self-exploration, and she really talked about her family life and everything. Uh, so a lot of that stuff takes you out of your comfort zone. And uh, It's I think true, she and, and in her it. case, because it was a memoir and a critique of the community she grew up in, uh, it's, it's more complicated than someone who, say, writes an autobiographical novel like I once did, or writes uh, a, a sort of um, objective book without the personal element um, and critiques uh, things right. like that, <clears throat> like right. I did with American Vader. She's got, she's got it uh, on both ends. Yeah. In American Vader, Phil, you obviously uh, talk to people from a lot of different uh, organizations, different movements, different followers of different spiritual leaders. Uh, how much commonality is there from group to group is your experience, Well, in your experience? Yeah, uh, from what I've told, and, it, and the process continues, you know, the book's been out mm-hmm. five, six years, but I keep meeting people and, and having these conversations. So uh, in, I always joke when people tell me about uh, their own organizations that they all think theirs is the only one right. that's dysfunctional in this way or that way or has an orthodoxy that makes life difficult for you know people who are more liberal or progressive or open-minded and they all have some of those characteristics and they all have people who are extremely committed and very protective of their uh, teachings and their gurus and their uh, organizations and uh, don't like the presence of doubt or um, criticism, and other people in those movements who are much, you know, more open-minded and and liberal and uh, friendly to outsiders and dissenters and so forth. There's always a range. Right. Uh, so um, they're and they're all human being run by human beings. So they're going to be imperfect or dysfunctional each in its own way. Right. And they're different. Just as you know, uh, Catholicism and a, you know a, a Catholic church would be different from a Protestant church or a synagogue or a mosque, but um, they all have certain characteristics in common. And uh, the you know the critical thing I think is for followers to find their own place in it 
and get what's valuable and avoid you know the the stuff they find unpleasant or difficult. Yeah, you know it's interesting. I I uh, am very familiar with. I spent a lot of time in the community that uh, Claire was referring to in Fairfield, Iowa, the transcendental meditation community there, which is really sort of part of a larger town community now, and is less distinction between the people who are involved in meditation, the people that aren't involved in meditation, and so on and so forth. So, but uh, when I uh, also, I also spend a part of the year out in California and uh, often in Encinitas, which is in North County, San Diego, and it's the home of the Self-Realization Fellowship, uh, and uh, one of their focal points, uh, you have the, you know, uh, Parma Mahansi Yogananda, uh, who you are writing a biography on now as we speak, uh, but uh, I found it interesting that when I listen to people talk there from that community in a coffee shop or whatever, first of all, I, I, it's just like the conversations I would hear in Fairfield, a lot of esoteric stuff and whatnot. And then mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Fairfield, amongst many of the meditators, you hear Marshi said this, Marshi said that, Marshi said when you eat, right. you know, yogurt, blah, blah, blah. There it's master said this, master said that, master right. said when you eat such. So the similarities were striking and it was, it was really unbelievable. And I'm sure if you went to 10, 12, 20 different communities, it would be the same. As a matter of fact, I have friends that are part of the Lubavitch, uh, uh, you know, uh, Hasidic community uh, in, in Brooklyn and uh, uh, very similar. You know, the way they, yeah. they refer to the Rebbe said this and the Rebbe said that. And, uh, so those similarities are there. And, and like you said, if somebody's in that community or is part of those communities, you really have to, to navigate it. You can get a lot of good out of it, but you can also yeah. get caught up in the orthodoxy and, and you could get forced to believe things you really don't want to believe. So you have to exercise your intellect and make those decisions that you think appropriate and take from it what's valuable and leave behind what's not valuable. And for some people, they can't function in any community like that at all because their beliefs don't allow right. it. And some people can't function outside of it. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, it's an individual thing. And I found the same thing you have. And I, I've, I've talked to people from all these organizations. And, and, and some of it has, is a generational thing. So I've spoken to a lot of baby boomers like us who got involved with different gurus and ashrams and movements in the 60s and 70s, whether it was Muktananda or Satchitananda or Yogananda or any of them. And, you know, we're, grown, we're 30, 40 years older now, and we can joke about what it was like and our mm-hmm. experiences and, and we learn from each other. Right. Um, I'm curious, you know, I found it very interesting to see what it was like in Claire's generation, the children of our generation. Right, right. And yeah. I have a question for you since you live in yeah. Fairfield now. When you read Claire's book, which focuses on a period when she was young, so it was 20, 30 years ago, whatever. Um, how does that, the community there compare to what it's like now? Well, that, that's an interesting question. And I don't spend the full year here now. I spend, uh, you know, at least a few months a year here, four or five months. Mm-hmm. And um, it's very different. Uh, uh, first of all, and, and I have had the experience of living in this community during that period she's talking about as well in the 80s and 90s. And uh, let's put it this way. If, uh, like in American Judaism, uh, you have the Orthodox, Conservative, and Reform, right. which you have in every right. spiritual group, every religion, I believe. Uh, yeah. In Fairfield, maybe in the 80s and 90s, you had 50% were Orthodox, and 20% were Conservative, and 30% were Reform. Now it's maybe 10% were Orthodox, 
20% are conservative and 70% are reformed. So I think uh, people are less uh, uh, rigid about their beliefs. They're more accepting of, um, of other people and, and their beliefs. And also, mm-hmm. as she pointed out, uh, the TM movement has, is changing. Uh, there's less emphasis yeah. on advanced programs and what they call the TM cities and that sort of stuff, and more emphasis just on the basic teaching. And uh, because if they don't have that and they stick strictly to orthodoxy, then I think that uh, it will be difficult for the organization uh, to survive. And she, she points that out. Well, and that's true of any religious movement. The more orthodox, the, the fewer people yeah. in the larger population yeah. you know, will yeah. be attracted but, but to. That, that's, orthodox- yeah. You go ahead. And but one of the things that I find interesting is, and uh, is very important, I think, for people to be aware of, that, you know, someone, uh, Claire had her experiences. A lot of them were difficult and challenging, and she found uh, problems in the community and the organization she grew up around. But here she is, a grown-up with children, and she still finds the practice of TM, of, of meditation, of great value in her life. And that distinction between the methods, the, the transformative practices that the teachers brought, and the organizational trappings uh, is, is, is one that's terribly important, and not everybody is capable of making those distinctions. Um, and I found that true in, in all the other groups, too, that many people pulled away from the organization. They just didn't like being in it. And, uh, you know, being the community was too uh, isolated or too exclusivist, and they, they, they didn't feel comfortable at a certain point in their lives. But the methods, the practices they picked up, the point of view, the, the way of looking at the right. world they held on to them. And some people can't make that distinction and they, you know, throw the baby out with the bat. Right, right. And she also uh, mentioned, you know, just the support you get in a community. Like, say somebody's in a very tight Mormon community. She mentioned that. Somebody's in an Amish community. Somebody's in a Hasidic community. And there are people that leave those communities and it's very, very difficult because there's tremendous support. And it's a struggle for some people because on the one hand, they want to stay in the community because they enjoy it and the people and all that, but they just don't share the same beliefs anymore. Now, some people can compromise and say, beliefs aren't so important to me, and I'll just go with the flow. I don't really believe this stuff anyway, but I love the community. Whereas other people, and I think like Claire, are very deep thinkers, and and their beliefs have to match their lives. And and I think that for people like that, it's it's a bit more of a struggle. And there are some and, and they feel they feel it very difficult to be in a, in a situation where they can't be honest with you know right. what they're thinking and well, how they're feeling about things. And it's, you know it's sort of like you know all the Catholics who practice birth control, but they still like to go to church. And, exactly. You know, <laughs> or, or all the people in ninety five percent of Catholics in France don't go to church, but they still consider themselves Catholic. And I'll show up yeah. a couple of times a year. There was a book written uh, and made it in a movie. It's a great book, a great movie, The Chosen. And it's about somebody mm. that grows up in a, in, a, in a Jewish community, very orthodox. Yeah. And then they don't break from it, really. They just decide to live a more secular life and, right. and not in that community anymore. But they take with them all the, those things that they felt good and, and honorable from that community, but they're going to be more secular. 
I think you and I did that. Yeah. We were both deeply immersed in the TM community right. at one point, and, and then we sort of pulled away a little bit because it was more comfortable for our way of life, but we maintain, right. you know, I'm extremely grateful. I couldn't be more grateful for what I acquired and learned in those years, um, but I'm more comfortable on the periphery of things and being more eclectic in my pursuits and talking to all the people we talk to on spirit matters. Exactly. And, and that... But you know, you still hold meditation to be a great, great tool, yeah. and and yeah. many great things learned. But not having to take the whole bowl of wax and, and 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 pick and choose what what you like. I also mentioned to Claire in another conversation, not in the interview today, but that her book reminded me of James Hilton's book uh, Lost Horizons, where oh. uh, the fellow goes to Shangri La. And then yeah. he, it's real, and then he doesn't think it's real, and then he leaves, and he thinks, was that real or not real? And and I think she's <laughs> going through some of that now where she's, uh, I'm sure she's she thinking back. I'm sure she found out a great compliment. Yeah, there, there's certain things she misses. So so anyway, um, well, uh, an, another good one. And again, the book, uh, 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 Greetings from Utopia Park, uh, Surviving a Transcendent Childhood, Claire Hoffman, and her uh, website, clairehoffman.com. Uh, it's all posted up at spiritmatterstalk.com. Uh, and we're, you're, li you're listening to Spirit Matters with Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda, and Dennis Ramundi. That's me. Yes, uh, and, and when you hear this interview with Claire, um, no angry emails. Yeah, please. please. We, we don't <laughs> Emails, yes. Uh, feedback, yes. <laughs> but uh, be kind and gentle with us. We're delicate folks. All right, Phil, till next time. All right, next Bye. time.